welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I think I'm Ross. And likewise, I could be Gordon. Which is about as good as you're going to get today, folks. Today, yes. So, hello, potential Gordon. And Mr. Doc. Mr. Doc. Not like your boat doc. <laughs> Sort of the other kind of dog. Bit like. Bit like. <laughs> this episode, I want to spend a few minutes talking about getting low. Or more accurately, making images from a lower perspective. Well, I'm glad you cleared that up. So, you are suggesting that making all images from a standing position may not always serve the image. Precisement. Okay. And in English? Precisely. Okay. So, as I tumble this around in my noggin, some discussion features that keep popping up. Uh, one, uh, when would you choose to shoot from a low position? What kind of gear would be helpful? And what subjects would be improved? So from the perspective, a creative perspective, why should a photographer get low? Well, as we are doing some noggin tumbling, the first thing to address is, first of all, why would you choose from a low position? Because it's not the normal place that photographs are made from. So you're creating differentiation immediately. Secondly, your story is usually improved when you tell it from the subject's perspective. Hence, improvement of the subject. And not just horizontally, but what if you crawled under a rose bush and then shot up into the sky? As for gear, well, we usually come to gear. <laughs> yes. Anyways, that's a very specific example. You've sort of done that, have you? Yes, can you do that in Yoda's voice? But... <laughs> Done that, have you? Yeah, you know me Yoda, well. Yoda, Yoda speak. <laughs> you know me well. An image without a story may be pretty, but it's not always compelling. By way of example, I can see situations where the change in position will change the entire story. Uh, as an example, like uh, soldiers where you photograph standing up uh, in a group or whatever are just that images that are made from the low position though showing mud and rain and water on the boots and that's all that's included in the image changes the whole context similarly an adult talking to a child from the upright position is just that an adult talking to a child Taken from the child's perspective, the whole story changes from possibly threat to abuse to admiration, depending on the circumstances. And while I'm not against lying on the ground to make images, it can sometimes be uncomfortable or cold or wet or snowy. And when I'm making images like for close-up work, Hand-holding can be a problem. 
I agree. Gravity helps one get down. Bad joints contribute to the challenges of getting back up. And as you say, if you want to make images from a low perspective, some accessories can be very, very useful. Well, you know that you know me well. Uh, I'm a fan of tripods and tend to carry one pretty much everywhere. To help deal with some recent events, though, I tend to use either one or two hiking or ski poles. Not to assist me, assist me around, but certainly help me to, to move faster than I need to. And since they hang off my wrist, they are always there for assistance in hauling myself up. Well, I have to concur that being able to get back up makes it a lot more fun to get low. And I agree with you, a good tripod is a necessity for this. But folks often make the wrong conclusion that a small tripod is all that they need and end up paying good money for an unstable piece of crap. Yeah, you, you've made this point again and again. The suggestion that has been made in the past is to buy your last tripod first. And if you can visualize what constitutes the perfect tripod, well, go for it. Are there things that you would use for low-level photography that may not be apparent when thinking about tripods? Well, I would hope they might become more apparent given, as you say, the repetitiveness of that conversation. However, for me, I'm always looking for a carbon fiber leg set. I want something that's super stable, very light, and that my hands don't freeze to in the wintertime. I am a strong advocate for a very nice ball head that is capable of holding the weight of the camera and any lens that I would put on it. When I look for a tripod, I always look for a tripod without a center post. In this way, the tripod head plate can get really low, the center post doesn't get in the way, and if the legs can properly splay out horizontally, or nearly so, this makes it ideal. Now, I personally despise center columns in general. In my mind, they're better referred to as wobble sticks, but that's just me. And I'm going to say, yep, that's just you. But what about tabletop uh, tripods? It all depends on how low they can go. The capability of the device to hold the weight of your camera and lens and how much vibration they can nullify whilst you are rolling around on the ground near the unit is really, really important. And a lot of these things just aren't stable. And uh, I'm guessing that you don't have one? I have a tabletop tripod, but no one could say that it is <laughs> small. Okay, but that takes me back to the original point. It doesn't take long buying all these individual things. It doesn't take long before you have a backpack that's full of stabilizing devices. Well, that's true, and one of the reasons I haven't really found a small tabletop tripod that suits my needs is that it creates additional packing and additional weight. I'd like one tripod that does everything that I need. And what about a device like a platypod? I know that you own a couple, and that sources like Kelby One rave about them. If the platypod is stable enough for your camera and lens, and you mount a quality tripod head, they're okay, so long as you can get low enough to see what you're doing. However, if the ground isn't level, I find them to be more trouble than they're worth. And 
in my opinion, they're bloody expensive for what is a piece of aluminum with a bunch of holes drilled in it. I bought the first one, and the others I received as recognition for work. Honestly, I used to carry one all the time, but as it never came out of the bag, I stopped carrying it. Again, I agree. You know, this is, this is getting monotonous, this agreeing stuff. However, it's such a good idea on paper. I always have one in my bag, just like you, and I pretty much have never found a situation that I could use it in. But let's not forget the lowly beanbag. It doesn't have to be a quality one, just lightweight, clips onto the bag, you can kneel on it, you can sit on it, it stabilizes the camera out the car window, and when it comes to a pinch, it supports your neck when you're taking a nap. It's darn near perfect. But what about camera features that may be useful? My camera, and most new ones I think, have flip or tilt uh, function screens. Find them useful? I do, but I want to touch on beanbags. They are wonderful right until you tear them. <laughs> Well, you know, they're disposable. And then you have to, have to clean up all them beans. No. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I, I'm clearly I'm mistaken on that part. Let's go back to those tilt screens because I do monotonously agree completely. For me, that's the greatest thing that moving to the Canon R5 brought me over my other camera bodies. You know, very fine cameras, 1DXs and 5DSs. I can see what's going on while taking a knee rather than lying down. At this point, I would never buy another camera that didn't have a movable rear display. Uh, yeah, as I said, uh, I think it's a necessary feature as well. So, what else? Well, I used to use, more frequently, and still own, a device called the Cam Ranger that allows me to control the camera remotely using an external display like a small iPad with a nice big screen from a standing or seated position that's easier to me. Many cameras, however, now have apps that allow you to do that directly. Well, you're right about that, and the current releases, in my opinion, are real assets. When you want to have your camera in any challenging-to-achieve position, since I got the R5, I use the Canon Remote app a lot. I believe that Olympus has one as well, and I know, because I've done testing on them, that the recent releases of Nikon SnapBridge does this too. Now, of course, your camera has to support that sort of thing and have either built-in Bluetooth or built-in Wi-Fi for communications. Yeah, some things have changed, obviously, in the last little while. I know you used to be, you used to be very critical of SnapBridge. Well, originally it was, uh, what's the word I'm searching for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, we got it. But the more recent releases are spectacular. Maybe I shouldn't mention this, but I I have the app for Olympus. And I don't know. I think they need to do some work on it. it it's On paper, it's got all the, all the bells and whistles. But I find that every time I go to use it, I have to sort of reboot the reboot the app and reset it on my on my phone. And no, oh, that's unfortunate. But well, I appreciate that you share this real world practical knowledge with people. Yeah, maybe I'm doing something wrong, and I'm quite prepared to admit that, sort of. But uh, well, if it's hard to use, you're probably not doing something wrong. 
<laughs> okay. So we've talked about the principles of we've talked about stabilization, we've talked about camera features. Time to talk about the inevitable lighting. A low perspective may mean some challenges with the light. Well, this may surprise you and our listeners. I like flash. Oh, really? Yeah, I do. Oh. And I prefer off-camera flash, so I always have a speed light and a remote trigger with me. I'm sure someone in somewhere can remember <laughs> an insurance commercial that said, never leave home without it. And I don't. Plus, TTL works when you take the time to learn it effectively. Every time I encounter someone who says, well, TTL's crap, usually means they haven't tried it. Fill flash is pretty much a given for me in this type of scenario. And how do you deal with holding your camera and holding your and placing your flash and all that kind of stuff? Well, interestingly, this is a truly useful application for a small tabletop tripod or a platypod. Yeah, that works. The other day I was wandering around in my usual fashion, and this time I was wandering intentionally as opposed to the other time oh, when so the, the cops had to come and get me. Oh, oh so the people <laughs> with the nice white coats weren't chasing you this time? Not chasing no, me, good. No, but the blue guys in blue were. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, as long as you're keeping people busy. And I found myself in some awkward positions, and that's when I started kicking myself. I was carrying a tripod and a flash, and a trigger. Where were they? Not on the camera. The point here is that a camera on the tripod stays there. You can walk around, place the, and direct the flash wherever you want. And what seems like a lot of effort in the initial setup actually makes life a lot easier. And let's not forget, a flashlight. That is rapidly becoming my lighting device of choice. Where appropriate, of course. Anything else that you got up your sleeve? Well, I think your, your idea of carrying a flashlight makes a lot of sense because sometimes folks are uncomfortable with flash because they don't know what they're going to get. Right. By using a flashlight, you can you do. determine which direction the light should come from to achieve the goal you want. Especially if you're using it with something like live view. So wherever you put that light, you see it before you actually take the image. Absolutely. And then you can place your flash if you need the much greater output and depth of field that flash can provide. From a perspective of other things, I'm always going to say be planful. Bring the lens, or if you must, lenses that will provide you with what you need to achieve your goals. For me, I find a mid to narrow angle a view macro lens to be very handy for this kind of work. As I have cameras in the full frame space, 100mm is a lovely focal length lens, although for more reach and placement flexibility, I tend to fall more towards my 180 macro. It allows me to create distance without sacrificing magnification. Mm -hmm. For my micro filtered system, uh, I have recently acquired a 90mm macro uh, which in real life terms is a 180 millimeter macro. And that has rapidly become the go-to lens for me. 
It's it's truly an amazing lens if you're an Olympus shooter. So what about reflectors and such things? Well, in my case, and I can only speak for myself, it depends on how much pre-work that I'm willing to do and how mobile I want to be. I typically have some kind of bounce reflector for the flash, and that's all I need. But folks should bring what they'll actually use. I find that a lighter bag with less stuff in it tends to serve me better. Okay, so again, I agree. And, and really, uh, all my work is pretty much done on the move. And I'm having constant arguments with myself as to this bag, that bag, this gear, that gear, with the aim to try and whittle it down to something I can use. But since I always carry one of those collapsible gray cards, which is white on the other side, I always have a reflector with me for the small stuff. Great idea. And did I mention the whole concept of the camera on a tripod? Uh, for, you know, for making up for the hands that I don't have? I may have skipped that bit. And, you know, that light bag that you mentioned? Will you pass one on to me if you ever find it? Because I don't think it exists. Well, I have the experience <laughs> of having bought pretty much any bag that Think Tank has ever made. And I have a great many that have the capacity to be filled to the level of immovability. Yeah, that's... So I'm trying to work and take only as much gear as I need and then pack it into the smallest possible bag because... I don't know about you or others, but if there's space, I might be inclined to fill it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, enough said. So, shooting low is fun. It opens up whole new perspectives to everything. Uh, as you know, I am a rabid Freeman Patterson fan. And his entire concept is, you know, to go crawl around, look at things through other things, over things, under things. And I fully go along with that. Because the whole, every, every time you take uh, or make an image uh, from the low position, doing things that you don't normally do, becomes a whole new learning project. As far as I can see, it's a win-win situation. Again, to the risk of monotony, I agree with you completely. And that concept of it becoming a new learning opportunity is what makes photography fun and oh, interesting. Yeah. Thanks to all of our listeners. If you'd like to support the channel, you can do so by making a donation. All you need to do is click the Support the Channel button on the main page at thephotovideoguy.ca. If you shop at BNH Photo Video, please use the link on the main page as it pays a small commission here and doesn't cost you anything. Please do submit a comment or send in a question. I read and respond to all. On behalf of the channel, I'm Ross. And I continue to be Gordon. We wish you peace and good health.